Certain people came down from Judea and Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some of some other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way and as they travelled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he had accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. The whole assembly became silent, as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. And most psychologists today would say that where you fit in your family will shape and influence what you are like. Birth order will influence what kind of person you are. If you are the oldest, then you'll be a certain type of person. You'll have certain characteristics, personality traits. Uh, There was a magazine uh, article in Time magazine a few years ago uh, where they spoke about the secrets of birth order and what it is that makes us who we are. Uh, And there's plenty of books around on the topic as well that you can find out why you are the way that you are by reading these books about birth order. Uh, The oldest children in the family can often think that they're the ones that have got it the hardest. They're the ones from whom most is expected. Uh, They do most of the cleaning up, though they did least of the messing up. Uh, When they're young, uh, they have to go to school, but the other kids get to stay at home and continue to play. Older children can feel that they've been hard done by because of the way that younger children are treated. Hand up if you're an older, oldest child, first in the family. Uh, That explains a lot, doesn't it? Yes. Okay. Well, what we're looking at in Acts chapter 15 today, oh, there's some more stuff about birth order. You can look at that later on. Uh, What we're looking at in Acts chapter 15 today is a rather unusual case of older brother syndrome and something that Jesus spoke about in that parable that we looked at, but we'll get back to that in just a moment. But to understand what's actually happening in here in Acts 15, we need to understand a little bit of the thinking and a little bit of the background behind this chapter and we need to go back into the Old Testament. There's no doubt that the people of Israel played a significant part in God's plan to bring his saviour into the world. Uh, The whole Old Testament is the history of of God dealing with his people Israel, a history that starts with Abraham and a history that finishes with the birth of Jesus. 
Israel were God's people. Not because they thought they were God's people. They were God's people because God said that they were his people. When we reach the pages of the New Testament, we see that Jesus has come to fulfill all that God had promised to and through his people Israel. When we come to the pages of the New Testament, we see that Jesus brings in a new covenant, a new deal, a new relationship with God that's based firmly on that old covenant, but there will be differences. So when we open up to the book of Acts, we see some of the Jewish Christians struggling with letting go of the old covenant and understanding and embracing the new covenant. Uh, They could accept the idea that Jesus is the promised Messiah. Uh, They could see that Jesus clearly is the Saviour and Lord that God had promised to send. But they didn't like the idea of letting go those things that had been so important to them throughout their whole lives. And they struggled with the idea that Gentiles, people who weren't even descendants of Abraham, could simply waltz in and become part of God's people. There were some Jews who still considered that being Jewish was also important, even if you had come to that point of trusting in Jesus. Sure, you accept Jesus as Lord, but we can still hang on to a few of our old traditions, things that we've been brought up with, things from the law of Moses, things like circumcision. And Gentiles who became part of God's people, well, they thought that these people needed to abide by these Jewish rules and traditions as well, particularly things like food laws and Sabbath days and also circumcision. Now, I don't want to be unsympathetic about this because this must have been an immensely difficult time for those who'd grown up with that Jewish tradition, who'd grown up under that old covenant, for them to move through to this new covenant. I mean, most of us had a difficult enough time changing over to the metric system, didn't we? I mean, I still think in feet and inches. I don't understand what these centimetre things are. Or maybe you can remember back to decimal currency and the struggles that people had changing over from the old money to the new money with decimal currency. I know I've mentioned this before, but I think it's just a delightful story. John Chapman's mum was a very old lady at the time that decimal currency was being introduced. And she quite honestly said to John one day, why can't they just wait for all the old people to die and then bring it in? I have a feeling that there would have been a few Jewish Christians who would have felt the same way, who would have said, why can't they just wait for all the old Jewish Christians to die and then bring the new covenant in? Well, last week we saw Acts chapter 13 and 14, Paul and Barnabas going out and taking the gospel, not just to the rest of the world, but taking the gospel to Gentiles, taking it to people who weren't even from that Jewish tradition. News has filtered back about the huge number of Gentiles who have become Christians, who have been converted. News filters back to Jerusalem. And some of the Jewish Christians are a little unsettled by what's happening. And this is where the trouble begins. So Acts chapter 15, have a look at what it says right at the beginning of the chapter. You need your Bible open there, chapter 15 of Acts. Some came down from Judea to Antioch. Remember, Antioch is the church where Paul and Barnabas had been sent out to preach the good news. And were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Sounds like the men from head office have come down 
checking out what's going on down here in Antioch, trying to pull them into line and make sure that they're flying straight. These men were excited that that Paul and Barnabas were taking the gospel to the Gentiles, but they thought that it was also important that these Jewish traditions be maintained. They thought that Paul was leaving out something important in the message that he was preaching. Details about circumcision, which they insisted was essential if you wanted to become part of God's people. But what these men are demonstrating is that they've actually failed to understand the gospel. They've failed to understand the new covenant that Jesus has come to bring in. Salvation comes through faith in Jesus, full stop. Not faith plus but simply faith in Jesus. So Paul and Barnabas found themselves in sharp conflict with these people. And finally, it was decided that a small group from Antioch, led by Paul and Barnabas, would go down to Jerusalem, down to head office, and try and get this thing sorted out. Jerusalem was where most of the apostles still were, still congregated there and part of the church there. They would be the ones who could best decide whether or not Paul and Barnabas were preaching the right message about salvation. So Paul and Barnabas make their way to Antioch. They arrive, wake their way from Antioch to Jerusalem. They arrive there. Uh, They have a chance to report to the apostles about the work that they've been doing. And they told them all that God had been doing through them in taking this message to the Gentiles. And we saw what that was last week. But then the discussion turns to the issue at hand. Uh, Have a look at chapter verses 4 and 5. First of all, they give their report. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. But then... In verse 5, we read, Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. Now, did did you notice that there in verse 5? Some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees. We hear the word Pharisees, and the hair on the back of our neck stands up because aren't these the guys who were out to get Jesus? Well, they were just part of that Jewish tradition. And what we have now is people who consider themselves to be believers or who are believers. Luke says that they're believers. People who have a genuine trust in Jesus. But they're just having that difficulty shaking off that old covenant and understanding the implications of that new covenant. Yes, they're Christians, but they're Christians who are firmly connected to their old heritage. And the issue is stated very clearly there in verse 5. Will Gentiles be accepted simply on the basis of faith in Jesus or do they need to do something else? Now, I think this is where we actually see that older brother syndrome coming in. Uh, The Jewish Christians are saying, we've done the hard yards. If anyone else wants to join us, then they need to do what we did. They need to abide by the laws we had to abide by. And Jesus encountered that same kind of resistance from the Jewish leadership, didn't he? And that's what he was talking about in the parable of the prodigal son. I'm sure that this parable isn't just about outcasts or sinful people being welcomed back. It's about Gentiles being welcomed as God's people. 
We saw it in the video earlier, you know the story. A man has two sons. One son goes off and completely wastes his inheritance in a foreign land. I'm sure that's the significant detail we're supposed to note. He's actually left Israel, not part of Israel, but then he wants to come back. And how does the older brother feel? Well, the older brother's resentful. He doesn't want him welcomed back simply as a family member. And a similar scene is now being played out at the Council of Jerusalem. Older brothers are wanting to set the terms for younger brothers being welcomed into the family. Paul's been preaching that all you need to do is place your trust in Jesus, that forgiveness and life and salvation are found by acknowledging that Jesus is your Lord and Saviour. Well, we're told that Peter got up to speak. Now, in many ways, Peter was the leader of the apostles. He was the leader of the disciples who were with Jesus in the, in the Gospels, and now he's become the leader of the church. This is the one to whom Jesus said, upon this rock, Peter, meaning Petros, rock, he said, upon this rock, this Peter, I will build my church. And he's also the one to whom Jesus said, feed my sheep, Peter. Peter's learned a big lesson. Now, if you want to read about the big lesson that Peter has learned, the one that he only mentions very briefly, you need to read through Acts chapter 10 when Peter goes to Cornelius's house. Uh, Cornelius, a Gentile, and shares the good news about Jesus with Cornelius. Now, God, in that story, God went to extraordinary lengths to bang it into Peter's head that, yes, Gentiles are accepted simply on the basis of faith. All you need to do is place your trust in God's son and you are among God's people. But follow along with me. Have a look at chapter 15, verse 7. Here's the speech that Peter made partway through that verse. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you, that is you Jewish people, that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. He's talking about that visit down to Cornelius' house. Verse 8. God knows the heart. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now, Peter spells out that God doesn't make a distinction between Jews and Gentiles anymore. Salvation, forgiveness and a relationship with God are for anyone. No matter who your great-great-grandfather was, salvation is for anyone who wants to place their trust in Jesus. But he also makes this important point there in verse 10. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our forefathers have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through faith, through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. The yoke that he's talking about there is the law, the old covenant. Why are you trying to put that on their necks? Even our own forefathers couldn't do that. So why do you think these Gentiles are going to be able to do it? And they don't need to do it. 
Because Jesus has brought in a new covenant that means salvation for all who believe in him. When Peter finished speaking, Paul and Barnabas got the chance to stand up again and they spoke about the work of preaching the gospel that they'd been involved in and what God had done through them. So those gathered at the meeting at this Council of Jerusalem, they realised there was no point in arguing with what Paul and Peter and Barnabas were saying. It was the truth that God has confirmed it by giving the Holy Spirit to these Gentiles just as he did to the disciples at that day of Pentecost. And there can be no going back to an old covenant. So they resolved to send a letter to the new converts in Antioch a letter that was designed to encourage them to continue their faith in Jesus. A letter that would have set their minds at rest on that whole issue of circumcision and I'm sure that there would have been a few men back in that church in Antioch who breathed a very big sigh of relief when the letter arrived. But the final purpose of the letter was to try and encourage harmony between Jewish and Gentile Christians. If you've gone your whole life thinking that it's wrong to eat bacons and prawns, well, it's going to be very hard to change that uh, when, you get, when you're in your 60s or 70s or 80s. And while they're not wanting to impose any Jewish food laws on them, they are suggesting that it would be helpful for, for you to understand how the Jewish Christians feel and make sure that you don't have prawn cocktails when you invite them over for dinner. Show some consideration for your, for your Jewish brothers and sisters. Paul and Barnabas and some representatives from the church in Jerusalem go back down to Antioch and those in the church in Antioch are greatly encouraged to read the letter that was sent to them. And with that hurdle out of the way, they can now get back on with the preaching of the gospel, even to Gentiles. Now what is happening here in Acts chapter 15 is that is really a major step. It's a confirmation that the gospel is for everybody. It's a confirmation that Jews and Gentiles are made right on the same basis, that basis of simply putting your trust in Jesus. But sadly, the Council of Jerusalem is not going to be the end of the matter. That older brother syndrome is going to continue to rear its head, and not only throughout the book of Acts, but right throughout the pages of the New Testament. Now, there's barely a letter in the New Testament where they aren't still grappling with this issue. But it's important for us to note that this is a unique problem for the early church. This is a, a transition problem from the old money to the new money. This is a transition problem from the old covenant to the new covenant that was being ushered in by Jesus. We're not going to have this issue in our churches today. Uh, no one's going to go around telling us that we need to be circumcised or that you can't eat foods that are of a particular kind. But we still do get kind of variations of this older brother syndrome. Not the same, different, but similar. So the minute that we start saying that Christianity is about faith in Jesus plus doing this particular thing, Back in Antioch, it was faith in Jesus plus circumcision. But we can still do the faith plus thing, but it's just in more subtle ways today. 
We can make people feel that unless they look like us or sound like us, well, we're not willing to accept them as brothers and sisters in Jesus. It can be something as simple as faith in Jesus plus dress like us. We had some friends when we lived up on the north coast, they'd grown up in Christian homes but they'd drifted away from Christianity and they were now living kind of in the hills up behind Mullumbimby where they were. And they lived there for a few years on the north coast but then they realised that they needed to get serious about their Christian faith. So they opened up the local newspaper and they saw an ad for a church and they said, right, that's it, we're going to this church on Sunday. They'd been living in the hills for quite some time and they were... I think feral would be the way to describe it. Uh, But they turned up at the church and Sue walked in with a pair of jeans on. And no sooner had she walked in the door when one of the ladies from the church came over with a skirt and said, perhaps you might feel more comfortable in a skirt than in your jeans. Sue thought that was pretty weird. She said, no, look, I'm fine. Thank you very much. That's okay. Uh, Following Sunday, they turned up again and again. Another lady suggested that Sue might feel more comfortable wearing a skirt than wearing a pair of jeans. Again, they thought it was a little bit weird and she politely declined the offer. They tried going to the church for a few more weeks, but every week the same thing happened. They said the people were lovely and welcoming and friendly and everything else about church seemed fine. But then Sue noticed that every other woman in the church was wearing a skirt. She was the only one wearing a pair of jeans. Now, again, it sounds a little bit weird to us, faith plus women must wear skirts. That seems a little bit weird. And we might laugh at that, but we shouldn't make sure, we've got to make sure that we don't laugh too hard because I think sometimes we can do the faith plus thing. We can actually add that little thing on uh, that doesn't come from scripture, it just comes from us, that sure, faith in Jesus is great, but you'll also need two. We can have that unspoken faith plus thing. They can be subtle things, in fact, they can be so subtle that we don't even recognise that we're doing them. See, the danger is with faith plus We can be putting up barriers to people coming to genuine faith in Jesus. We can be sending a a mixed or confused message about what it means to be a Christian. Or worse than that, we can actually be misrepresenting God in the message that we're preaching as soon as we do the faith plus. So we need to make sure that from time to time we actually do step back and look at what we're doing as a church making sure that there aren't any faith plus things in there, that we get rid of the pluses. We want to remove the stumbling blocks. We want to make sure that we're communicating the truth about Jesus as clearly as we possibly can. We want to make it easy for people to hear that message about Jesus and come to that point of placing their trust in him. We need to be totally clear that being a Christian is about being made right with God through faith in Jesus, full stop. Like Peter said at the end of his speech in Acts chapter 15, we believe that it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved.